Hey, good morning. Good evening. <laughs> God, I did it too. It's bad. It's bad. Bad, bad, bad. Hey, welcome to Mariners. Thank you guys for being here tonight. It's good to be back. I was on vacation for a couple of weeks, for a week with my family, and um, um, we had terrific people that uh, stepped up, and uh, uh, thank you to Mark and Delan for um, their part in doing messages and God working through them. So um, it's been cool. It's, uh, it's been a great summer. Um, one of the highlights of the summer for me is seeing a whole bunch of these roses there. It's not that we had a wedding. It's, these are as indicative and symbolic of all the kids that during day camp made a decision first time for Jesus Christ. So that's a, yeah, that's a, that's a great. So there's a whole bunch of new lives that are um, set for heaven. And because of what you did and your giving and your helping to prepare and praying, and all that. This is this is the kind of stuff that happens, and this is why we're here. And so, um, continue to do your part in making this stuff happen. And now, these kids that are new in their life in Christ have to be kind of reared up. And so, um, don't hesitate to get involved in uh, children's ministry here. It's an important, really probably valuable thing. Um, hey, how many of us like to root for the underdog? How many of you guys like to really root for the underdog when there's like a team that's any you, 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 you like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the little guy, little girl who just has no chance of pulling it all off, and then, boom, you know, they do it, you know, Rudy, Rocky, you know, those kinds of, of, of movies, and people are cheering, and they're cheering, and the parents are cheering, and you're cheering and crying, you know, and the movie ends, and all that kind of stuff. It's, just, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to see those kinds of stories and to kind of feel part of it, and this evening, we're going to spend a few minutes um, talking about, I guess, the biggest underdog story in the Bible, and that would be David and what? To David and Goliath, right. That is one of the most famous Bible stories everybody, I think, that I know knows about David and Goliath, little kid with a slingshot, you know, and a big loudmouth Goliath, and you get, you get terms, you know, the bigger they are, the what? Harder they fall, you know, that comes from that whole story. And, and, and what I want to do is I want us to spend a few moments just kind of looking at what went down and how God worked it out, because it's more than just an underdog story. There's so much more to it than that. And we want to bring some life principles down um, for our life and for your life in case you're facing issues and challenges and stuff that's just going on. So that's where we want to go for the next couple minutes. And let me take a second and let's pray, okay? So Lord, thank you for um, these moments, this time, and what happened. And I pray that you would use my words and most of all, your Holy Spirit to move through tonight so that we might be better in you and for you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. series that we are call, we, we're calling it is Beating the Giants in My Life, and we're looking at really kind of the living hope that, that can come our way when we rest in God and when we live in God and for God. Mark kind of kicked it off last week when he talked about having a heart for God and how, how David actually was a man after God's own heart because he aligned himself in that direction. God was able to use him and move through him in a significant way. And, and <clears throat> um, the story that we're going to be looking at in, in, in for the next few weeks of David is in First and Second. Samuel. And, and if you look at, and you go in your Bible, and, and if you don't have a Bible, we give them away, so make sure you go back there and, and, and get one. If you look at the, the book of First Samuel, it's in the early part, actually, of the Old Testament. And that means, actually, since it's in the Old Testament, it's about God working specifically through the nation of what? Of Israel. 
he works through the nation of Israel. And all kinds of good things were going on with them and, and through them. And so it's about God's chosen people, the, the Israelites. And they are now in the land of promise that God had promised them. And in 1 Samuel, um, they are fighting the Philistines. Now, it seems like they are always fighting the Philistines. I mean, whenever you read the Bible, they're fighting the Philistines. It's kind of like this rivalry, kind of like the Giants and the Dodgers, okay? You know, there's this, 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 this rivalry going on here. In this case, the Dodgers have the Giant, okay? You, you, you follow that? And, and the Giants don't have the, the Giant, and the Giants are not the good guy. They're the bad guy, but I'm confused, so let's just move on with the story, Okay. Let me just read. Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Sokah in Judah and Azekah. Saul get countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the Valley of Elah, real places. Um, so the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley in between them. Okay, there's a little valley in, in between. In fact, if you ever go to take a tour of Israel, they actually are able to pinpoint that exact spot. And it's a pretty cool place, and there's nothing there but a whole bunch of barren hills and rock and a little creek that runs down the middle. So it's kind of, wow, you know, it, it, it's, it's really there. Battle lines are drawn. Israelites are in black and orange. Yay, the Philistines are in Dodger blue. Okay, you got that? You got that all figured out? Figure out, okay. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel, and he was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Okay, guy's strong. All right, big, strong, big guy. Goliath comes out, and he is, I'm trying to figure out what the politically correct term is. He's vertically unchallenged. How about that? Vertically unchallenged. He's tall. He's a tall guy. And, and, and in fact, in order for you to kind of help visualize how tall he was, I put tape up on these poles here to show you what nine and a half feet tall looks like, okay? That's it, and you know, me being pretty tall myself, you know, you can see how he's, he's just, uh, he just is, but that's nine and a half feet tall, and he came out to face the Israelites, <clears throat> and he is also, wait for it, he's dressed to kill. Okay, got it, dressed to kill, all right. Okay, never mind, all right. Tomorrow morning they'll get it, you guys are slow. Goliath stood and shouted a ton across the Israelites, why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I'm the Philistine champion, and you're only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. If I kill him, you'll be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now, obviously, they have you know, the proverbial giant problem that, that, that they're experiencing in their, in their life, and, and they're paralyzed about it. I mean, they're paralyzed about it for 40 days. 40 days, 40 nights, they're there watching this guy come out saying the same boastful stuff. And, and there are some life principles that I want to pull out, particularly as we look at problems in our life as we would seek to be God's people in this world and work through the challenges and issues that we face. And one thing that kind of pops out actually is on how to work through giant problems is don't let the problems or don't let your problems define your reality. 
A lot of times we let our problems begin to define the reality of our life. Okay, so the Israelites are here, the Philistines are there, and Goliath comes out every day, you know, same song, 40th verse, you know. You get your champion, we've got ours, me, you know, and we fight, winner take all, winner take all, that, 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 that's it. And as I was, I was reading that, I thought, wait a second, who are you to make the rules, you know? Who gave you the right to make the rules of this, of this game? Um, how come you're the one in charge of this whole battle? And, and this is the problem is they let Goliath, the problem, make the rules of the game. And they began to play the game under the rules of the very one that was causing all the hassle in their life. They let the problem define the reality. Do you see, that? see how that is? They let the problem define their whole reality. And it's like this in our lives that we sometimes let the problems of our life define our life and label our life and then give us the rules of our life. And we lose sight of the fact that God's in charge here. And he's given us the ability to make choices and decisions on our actions. And what's sadder than this is the Israelites let him. They let him. He was making the rules and they let him make the rules. Why didn't they just say, heck with your rules? You know, we're all coming out after you. And if you like it or not, we don't really care. And sometimes what we say is, um, we're broke, we're alone, you know, I'm addicted. Um, and we need to move it to, I don't have money, but this is a good time to learn to trust God with a little. You see, I've changed the rules of the game. You have, you've changed it from I'm broke, woe is me, to this is a good time to learn to trust God with a very little. You're changing the rules of the game back to the way that they're supposed to be. From, I, I'm, from, from I'm alone to I'm alone, and this is a time when I focus my connection with God. You can move it to I'm an addict, and God can still work in my life, and will walk with me as I get through this. We change the rules of the game. We don't let the problems define our reality. And, and, and in your life, you know, in my life, you know, we let the problem dictate the reality of our life or we'll let others dictate the problem of our life and the rules of the game. And we could say, no, God's the one in charge of, of my world and he and I and others will, will beat this, this thing. Okay, this, this scene's gonna switch now. All right, this is scene two. Now, David was the son of a man named Jesse. One day, Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain, these 10 loaves of bread, and carry them quickly to your brothers. Give these 10 cuts of cheese to their captains. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they're doing. Okay, you got it? Okay, he's supposed to bring bread and cheese. I, I, was, I thought if, if he had some tomato sauce and some spices to it, He's a pizza delivery guy, okay? That's what he's doing. He's delivering the pizza to these guys on the field, all right? He says he arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and cries. You know, after 40 days, you wonder how robust their shouts and cries were. You know, every day they sulk back, and every morning, hey, hooray, here we go. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army, David left his things with a keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. 
As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. So David is watching all this go down, and, and, he, and he grabs one guy. So David, it says, asked the soldier standing nearby, who's this pagan Philistine anyway, that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? You begin to hear his perspective, how it's a little bit different than the others. I mean, he has a little bit different perspective about this whole situation. Well, word gets out to the king, King Saul, that there's somebody who's, quote, out of touch, out of sync with the rest, and, and, and um, actually thinks there's a chance. Says then, David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine. David told Saul, I'll go fight him. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. And, and, and it gets really fun to read here, and, and you need to read the whole account in, in, in 1 Samuel 17. It's a fun story. He says, don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. David persisted, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I, and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has, here it comes again, defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And, and, and here comes the next principle in facing challenges and stuff in our lives is build upon the foundation of your life with God. Build upon it. Build upon it. Because that's what David is doing here. David had practiced the presence of God like all the time. God was so living and real to him that no matter what came his way, he's going to write over it because he's working off of the stuff in the past, in the background, that he has developed and cultivated for years and years and years with God, and he can now use those things in this battle. In the field, he trusted God. And so much that, that David had become incredibly God-centered. And God became more real to him than a lion or a bear, and now in this case, you know, a what? You know, a giant. Behind me is the word hope um, in Spanish, esperanza. And, and, and we've said hope is just simply not, it's not a verb. You know, I hope the traffic is not too bad. It's a noun. It's something that you have. You have hope. And we've defined it as hope is that my loving God's in charge of life in my life. If you have that, man, you're in good shape. And no matter what happens, good or bad, he's in control and it's going to be okay. And so that's why the Bible would talk about God wants to bring into our lives a living hope, something that's alive and works so that we can have it, so that the problems, the lions and the bears and the giants, they don't bother us. David could say, God is in charge of my world because he had a God-dominated view of life, God-dominated. There's, there's a great concept in the book of Romans, and we're going to cover this a little bit later on in the year or next year, early next year. But it says this, for if, we, for if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him, to God, through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And simply what it's saying is, 
if when you were God's enemy, when you were an enemy of God, he did the utmost and sent his son for you, the utmost. You can't do anything more than that. If when you were an enemy, he said, I'm going to send my son to you, now that you're his friend, you think he's going to be mean to you, bad to you, wrong to you, unjust to you, forget you? Heck, when you were an enemy, he gave up as much as he possibly could. Now that you're his friend, what do you worry about? As an enemy, Jesus died for you. Now that you're his child, he's not going to forget. Okay, let's move on. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Um, remember The Princess Bride? Any of you ever see The Princess Bride, that, that film? It's great. It's a great film. And it's like when you guys see every year or so, Princess Buttercup and the Dread Pirate Robert. And I, I love Miracle Max. You know, Miracle Max. Billy Crystal plays a great role in Miracle Max. And after they kind of try and half heal the guy, you know, they're, they're on their way out. And, and, and there's a great line, he says, when they're leaving Miracle Max. Max and his wife said, you know, bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. You know, just kind of a, like, a, uh, like a send-off. And I wonder if Saul just kind of said, bye-bye, boy. You know, have fun fighting the giant. You know, goodbye. You know, and, and then the question is, do you think they have, have a chance? And he said, what? You know, it'll take a miracle. You know, it'll take a miracle. He says he picked up five smooth stones from a stream, and he put them into a shepherd's bag. Then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across a valley to fight the Philistine. Um, some people have asked, why did he take five stones? His faith was weak. He, only, he took five stones. I think they missed the whole point. <laughs> if it were me, I'd take five stones and a grenade launcher. Honestly, I would. I'd, be, I'd go with everything I, I could. You know? He went with what he always went with in the field. He's going to fight him fighting machine with a staff and five stones, okay? And you gotta love the trash talk. I love trash talk when I'm playing basketball. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt. Am I a dog? He roared at David. You come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And David shoots it right back. He said, today I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And, and here's the next principle that I, I don't want us to miss because it's something that was David's heart. He became personally involved and personally engaged in God's story. He chose to become personally engaged in God's story, and that's a choice that we have to make, whether we want to become personally engaged in God's story or not. The others did not. Saul did not. And it's so easy to let our worlds begin to revolve around us. I mean, a few months before, David had gotten into this big argument with his brothers, remember? I mean, if you read the whole story, they said, why are you even here? Go back, you know, you're just a nothing but a sheep herder. Get back to your dad, you know, you're, you're, you're nothing, you know? And he could have thought, <coughs> why should I even bother to help these guys out? You know, they want me to be nothing but a pizza delivery boy. Forget it, you know? Let them fight Goliath on their own. But with David, it became personal because he was personally engaged in God's story in what God was doing. And that became a personal issue for him. Personal 
issue for him. And he wanted to be personally involved in what God is doing in this world. And this is the choice between being, I guess, a follower of Jesus and being a committed follower of Jesus. And there is a difference. David made that next step commitment. Remember what he said earlier? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God. David had had no (laughs) dog in this fight. You know, I mean, big deal. He'd go back and he's going to, whether the Philistine army wins or not, it doesn't really matter that much to him. You know, he's going to still be herding sheep around and all that. It's just who they pay their taxes to. But no, there's more to it than that. He's personally engaged in the reputation of God. It mattered to him personally. He said, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. You see, he's just defied. He's just, he's bugged by it. Today the Lord will conquer you and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people. And this is said loudly echoing through the canyons and the valley. And I, and I, I would honestly just wish every time I have a problem or every couple I hear that's going through a problem would say, this is the Lord's battle. And we will overcome this so that people in our life group or people in our neighborhood or people in my family will know that there is a God in heaven. And he restores marriages. And he breaks down self-will and he can take care of the issues in our lives and bring things together. And today the Lord will conquer this and the world will know there is a God in my life. There is a God in my life to say I want to be part of God's story in making this work. As I was, as I was driving here um, um, this evening, I was listening to a, a Christian radio station playing music, and, and there was a song, and, 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 and obviously it pricked my interest because one of the lines in the song was, David, David brought a rock to a sword fight. You know, you've heard that one? David brought a rock to a sword fight. And I think... No, he brought God. He brought God to a sword fight. It says, reaching out into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. And you got to pause here because when I was a little kid in Sunday school, we used to sing, you know, and he pulled out a little stone. Shepherds did not pull out little stones to fight wolves and bears and lions. Um, they were smarter than that. And they would pull out a stone about like this, and they'd put it in a sling that was about three feet long. And they could whip that thing around and... Uh, the speed of this coming out of the sling was about 100 miles an hour, okay? Imagine getting hit with this at 100 miles an hour. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. Blunt force, trauma. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. And we start talking about underdogs. Um, it's totally an underdog story. It really, really is. But it's, the underdog is not who you think it is. David isn't the underdog. Not a bit. Because God's in this story. Who's the underdog in this story? It's Goliath. He had no chance. And the underdog story ends the way it's supposed to end, which is God wins in this whole thing. David isn't the underdog, and he knew it. And 
in your issue and your challenge, you're not either. And this is the thing with God. If God is for us, the Bible would say, anyone fill in the blank? If God is for us, what? Who can be against us? Who can be against us? You know, he's given us his son. Won't he not also give us all things? Everything? Really cool verse, um, Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Either that's true or it's not. Either it's real or it's not. Um, You can get control of your temper and you can forgive and you can reconcile because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can take steps to overcome your addiction. You can take steps to reconcile with somebody. You can be patient. You hear the story of David and Goliath as giant gets beaten by a little kid with a sling and a stone. I just love it. It's not a sling and a stone. It's a sling and a stone. And God. By the way, um, there's one more character that fades into the shadows in this story. And it's important for us to just simply take note of it and um, because it's going to play itself out in the later weeks. And that's Saul. That's Saul. Saul was a king. And they had chosen their one guy, and should the Israelites played along with it, they could have chosen their one guy who was a warrior. Saul was six foot eight. Okay? He was not a small guy at all. And I think if Saul would have said, I'm going to go out there and fight the giant, we wouldn't be talking about the story of David and Goliath. The story would be renamed what? Saul and Goliath. Same result, I think, would have happened. He chose to stay back. Don't choose. Don't choose to stay back. Go out there, please. Let's pray, okay? Um, Lord, I I know um, so many of these people here, and they're great people. They're good people, and they want to be part of what you're doing. And, And if there are any here that have fears... Or doubts about you, may they be washed away this evening. Father, I would ask that you would give us the desire to be completely part of your story, the story that you have. You're in this world, reconciling the world to yourself through Jesus. And if there's somebody here, Lord, that needs to take a step deeper into faith, into commitment. Guide them in this, Lord. Holy Spirit, walk with them through this. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. Your love for us and that while we were still sinners, your son died for us. And if you gave us that, won't you give us everything? And so thank you. In Jesus' name.